everyone, Rebecca here. I just wanted to let you all know that the official Patreon page for How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident is now live. We're offering things like early access to episodes, video recordings of episodes, bonus content, and more. So head on over to patreon.com slash howthefuck to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with actor, writer, comedian, and host of Self-Esteem Party podcast, Alana Johnston. We talk about mastering your craft, the benefits of therapy and medication, going easy on yourself, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Alana Johnston. Well, thanks for kicking it with me for a little bit to chat about confidence. So I'm so excited because I've been on your podcast, which is the Self-Esteem Party podcast, and we are in the sort of same zone. Yes, we are. We're in the, if there was like a um, a directory in the phone book, we would be listed under the same category for the people to Ooh. call the podcast. Love a metaphor. Um <laughs> No, and no, guys, like, don't. It's not a metaphor. If you need me, just call the podcast direct. I will answer. <laughs> uh, and you start out your podcast by doing the scale. You like, so for those of you who don't know, you will know once you start listening to Self Esteem Party. Um, you start out with, Elena starts out with, how do you feel? today how do you word it how do you feel today scale of one to ten yeah so I, I say how are you feeling on a scale of one to ten uh sorry how are you feeling on a scale of one to ten today uh recently last couple months because I I used to just say today previous to the pandemic but then once the pandemic hit I kind of opened it up because I I think sometimes now it's hard to know how you're feeling in a certain day because we've lost track of the day. So I kind of had to open it up and I'll be honest with you, most of the answers I get are people speaking in general. Like they're like the last little bit I have felt, whereas Mm. before it was much easier to target the day. Um, So I I opened it up and I, I started getting different answers. So it was kind of interesting. Well, then how are you feeling today on a scale or today or in the recent future? (laughs) What is your number? I've never asked that on this show before, so I'm excited. Okay. Uh, You've caught me on a good day because I was excited to do your podcast because every time I do someone's podcast, these are our shows now, right? These these are the the shows that we're doing. So I get, I feel really confident because, um, it's like somebody had booked me to do their show. And if somebody books you to do their show, it's because they think you're good. You have something to offer. So on a day where I'm doing somebody else's podcast, I always feel um, particularly good, a a bit more confident. So um, I would say today you're actually getting me at a seven. And also yesterday was my husband Norm's birthday and we had oh a re- yeah and I made sure it was a really fun great day so I felt really good this morning because he was so happy with it you know yeah happy birthday to Norm big um, shout out big <laughs> shout out uh what is your like normal no like do you have a normal number like a seven like your your average or norm if you will y- yeah so I'll say this um in the pandemic I've 
lost myself a bit. So I would say for if I had to pick a majority and this wouldn't be a recent number, but for the majority of the pandemic over the course of the last year, honestly, I would say about a four. I really lost mm. a sense of self, which I think a lot of people did. I didn't realize how much I used comedy to define myself, which is something I'm working on because a lot of that has been taken away, obviously. And yeah. um, so I would say the last little bit, like in and around the last year, about a four. More recently, six, seven, because I'm starting to find ways to move forward uh not forget what's happening now not ignore it but just find a way to live within it that isn't me just like paralyzed with fear and anxiety you know what I mean yeah Yeah. pre-pandemic Okay, pre-pandemic, what watch was your, your like normal number? Oh, watch yourself. Pre-pandemic, we're talking like at least an eight over um, the year before the pandemic because wow. I was doing the live self-esteem party show, which sold out every single time. Um, a lot of people loved it. They came back to it. It's me talking about my journey in finding my own self-esteem. So it was very much like pop star, dancers, uh, singing a bunch of songs. So it was like very much so me living out my dream of being the exact kind of performer I want to be. So that year leading leading up to the pandemic, I'm like definitely an eight, if not more on show days. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, people don't, I mean, some people understand this, but like when you're a live performer and all of a sudden that has, is taken away from you. Oh it my God. Is, I mean, we're used to performing multiple times a week and then now it's none. And it's just like, how do you, you know, how do you rectify that? How do you justify that? How do you fill your days? And, you know, it's been hard for every performer that I've talked to. I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, we would get our confidence from the audience reaction laughs, applause, whatever. Now I find what people are trying to do, and I've been in this conversation a lot recently, now I find what people are trying to do is we're trying to do that on Twitter and Instagram with likes and retweets and faves and all that stuff. But it's actually causing me anxiety because I have no control over it. I can control a live audience. I can see them. I can manipulate Mm -hmm. them. I can give them what I can tell they need. I cannot do that online because I can't see you. So I can't do it. So it's a lot, it's a lot harder to have that instant gratification and that validation. And it, and that's why I had that lost sense of self because I'm like, who who am I? If not the person waiting for you to tell me I'm good, who am I? (laughs) Yeah. And it's been interesting just social media in 2020 has been so interesting because there's been so many social causes and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's hard to know how to maneuver through that space. And then recently I'm just like, like, okay. So recently I lost a friend who, who was killed, which is, it's been so challenging. And, Mm -hmm. and, but the thing about social media is that I get to relive him Mm -hmm. through what he's put up on social media, right? Whether it's like, he's, he was a musician and an actor. So whether it was his SoundCloud his Facebook, his Instagram, Facebook messages back and forth with videos. And and so I'm so grateful for having that technology. So I've sort of stopped using my Instagram. I don't have Twitter, so I don't fucking know how that works, but I've started using my Instagram as a way to be like, this is who I am. 
if some like this sounds morbid, but like if something happens to me, I want everybody to be able to like relive me because I know how helpful that has been for me to relive him. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And for one, I'm really sorry to hear about your friend. I can't imagine on top of everything, um, you know, what that's like. And for anybody else that um, has lost someone as well and, uh, and maybe not necessarily um, be able to mourn in the traditional way um, Absolutely. and not have as much of that sense of community. Um, of like-minded people and losing that person. Uh, The social media, it's essentially a photo album um, that the person you follow and your friends with curated of what they wanted you to see of them. So you're catching them at all their best memories. And I want to be remembered that way. I'm not posting my mental breakdowns, or if I am, it's with a great picture and a hilarious caption. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's still on my terms. (laughs) But like, I think that's like really beautiful the way that you're um, being able to spin what social media means to you because I think it's really taken a nasty turn for a lot of us in the sense of feeling this pressure and self-doubt now because that feels like performing a little bit. But it's so nice that you can take it as just like, you know what? What a great way to scroll back to... 2015 or something like that and be like oh yeah that trip to Hawaii and he said this had happened and you know what I mean and like that kind of thing and that's because especially in this last year because we haven't been together we have we don't have photos of each other on our phone I I noticed that I was going through my phone um, I was trying to find a picture of my husband to post and I realized I have maybe four photos of him in the last year because Where am I? What am I taking photos for? Where am I going? What am I doing? Right. You know, and I have no group photos. I have no photos of my friends. So really, especially this past year for your friend, thank God for social media. How else would yeah. you see what they were doing? I know. Right? Like, yeah. thank yeah. God. So I'm, I'm really glad that that's up there because I don't know how, I wonder how those, how accounts work. Like, if you haven't logged in for a certain amount of time, I wonder what happens with stuff like that. I don't know. I have know. no idea. Yeah. I know I, for Facebook, you can do something like you can like make it a, um, like a legacy account or something, but oh, I don't okay. know about Instagram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, I no longer treat it as like a, a way to get, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of that, like, um, not affirmation. What am I, what's the word I'm trying to looking for? Like not attention, what gratification, gratification. There's a little yeah. bit of that, but it's mostly me being like, using it, like you said, as a photo album. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. think something to think about for people who are stressed out about social media, like maybe it's just your fucking photo album and that's enough. Yeah, and like, here's another hot take on social media. You know, we, and I'm one, I, I definitely have come down on it um, when I'm not in the right headspace to handle it. You know, if if, yeah. if you have one of those days where all everyone you know is posting like, I'm going to be in this show and this, this, and this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> just so, and you're happy for them. But some days you're like, oh God, not today. <laughs> yeah. Know? Let me have this Tuesday. I'm begging you, but whatever. <laughs> but like, I think one of the things um, with social media is we often say things aren't what they seem. So somebody's putting out a photo, um, but really they're not feeling as great or as confident as they might feel in that photo. Um, or look in that photo and they're trying to put out this image of themselves that may or may not be true on a day-to-day basis. But you know what? I'm spinning it in that I love that because that's all we have. 
it's all we have now is the picture we take of ourselves that we're putting out to say, remember me, I still exist, miss you guys, that's it. So it's like, I'm taking that spin in that maybe it's nice that we can celebrate the things that make us feel good. So we're going to put them out there in the world and we can support each other a little bit more to be like, if this is what you want me to think your life is great. Why, why should I pry into your personal business? Otherwise, if you don't want to share with me. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So usually I start the, this podcast by asking what your, what your definition of confidence is. How do you define confidence? What does it mean to you? Well, first of all, obviously we're getting to this later in the podcast because you stole my podcast intro, which I am donating to the podcast. (laughs) If you ever want to use it again, I've officially donated this to you. (laughs) I'm so excited for this 13 minute intro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is going down in history. Yeah, yeah, just a classic 13 minute intro for every uh... the longest intro. Everyone's going to remember this as the longest intro. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's what confidence uh, means to me. I had to put it in a different because I thought about that. I've listened to your podcast, so I I knew this was coming to, to talk about what does confidence mean. So I define confidence as um, feeling good about yourself in that moment because you can have low self-esteem but still feel confident at times. You cannot love yourself but with the right outfit, the right hair, or hanging out with the right person or you're in the right place, all of a sudden you can feel great if only for a fleeting moment. So that's how I define it. I, I have it can be isolated. It can be in that one time and maybe that lasts a long time or maybe it's short lived, but um, that's how I feel about it because it gives you a bit more hope that if you don't have a lot of self-esteem or self-love, you can still um, look forward to feeling good occasionally about yourself. So yeah, that, that's how I look at it. Do you consider yourself a confident person? I do. I consider myself, I also consider myself a fake confident person where even if I'm not confident, I'm oozing fake confidence and no one can tell the difference. Where does that, how do you do that? Explain that fake confidence. Like you're doing this, like fake it till you make it. I'll fake it. And then eventually I'll feel it. Or do you eventually, do you just not feel it? And you're just, um, I, okay. So let's kind of, it, this is a two-parter, so okay, a, as you'll know as well, because there's two kinds of confidence. There's on-stage confidence and there's off-stage confidence, right? So yep. for the on-stage confidence, you could feel like the worst person, not funny, not this, not that, but the second you walk on that stage, you're confident whether you want to be or not. You don't have a choice. So mm. the stage confidence, when if I don't feel that um, and how do I, is just me saying, this is my job, do your job. So just do your job. So that's how I get the stage confidence by looking at it as a job and a task I have to do as opposed to um, who I necessarily need to be. Um, Again, I can control the audience and how much they know and don't know about me and about what I'm feeling in that moment. Uh, You could be self-deprecating and still have confidence in how shitty you are, right? Right. Offstage, way harder way right. harder <laughs> as you as you know as all your listeners know much harder um so for that I know it sounds superficial and vain but I am a believer in toss on that outfit do that hair 
whatever you got to do um, externally to physically feel good, I'm about that. And then uh, internally, um, when I see someone or talk to someone, uh, I like I like to remind myself that like, well, Elena, you can't be that bad or else no one here would talk to you. Mm. So that helps give me confidence. The fact that other people seem to think I'm worth their time to even stop and say hello. You know, if you see them at the theater or you see someone run into your friend or something like that, um, that's that's what I would say would be it for the offstage. Much harder though, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so breakdown for me, Grow. where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in Orangeville, Ontario, um, small town just north of Toronto in Canada. Okay. Yeah. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, an older brother, older sister, and younger sister. So I'm three of four. Older brother. Say that again. Older. Older brother, older sister, younger sister. Okay, so you're in the middle. You're in the middle. Yep. Number three out of four. Okay. And were you a confident kid? I was loud. <laughs> uh, does that count? Um, you know, we discussed this on my podcast together. I was confident except for when mentally I was off, which would later, you know, turn into some real mental health struggles. But when I was a kid and like couldn't control my emotions, I had zero confidence because I thought something was wrong with me. So... And that usually happened at home. That didn't happen at school. I was fine at school. But at home, I would, like, think something was seriously wrong and felt like nobody heard me. Because um, why would you listen to some nine-year-old being like, something's wrong with me? You know, you're like, cool, enjoy. But um, that's when I didn't have confidence. I genuinely thought something was wrong, and it was my fault. And did you – how did your parents help with this? Uh, were oh, they, they, they didn't. Supportive? No, they were – yes – they put me in a, a couple therapy sessions, but my mom really attributed everything to um, PMS. <laughs> Bless her. And I, guys, I love my mom. My mom's the best. But, <laughs> you know, I think it's a little different for her because she grew up in Syria. And at that time, I don't think, and in, in, in North America too at that time, mental health wasn't really um, seen or heard the way that it is now. So... I think with her growing up that way, um, it, mi it might have been a little harder for her to kind of see that something was actually up that might have been bigger than just mood swings and like more chemical imbalance. Um, so it wasn't yeah. really her fault, right? Uh, and I don't blame my parents for anything, but I think they tried to support as best they could, but there was like, um, it was really hit or miss. Yeah. And so you started going to therapy when you were 13, 13, 13, yeah. 13. Okay. And do you, did you have a positive experience doing, doing therapy at that age? Oh no, I hated it because like one of the sessions my mom had to be in, I hated that. Um, the, the woman was like, um, you know, I didn't really want to talk. Like it takes a second to warm up for a therapist as, as you know, right. as anyone in therapy knows. Yeah. And she was very like, well, if you're not going to talk, I can't help you. And I was like, Ugh. Like, I'm 13, dude. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> so not the best experience. Later in life, though, yes, I would have fantastic experiences. But as a child, uh, no, it wasn't for me. And, and and I don't remember. I think we talked about this a little bit on your podcast. But, like, it takes a minute to find the right therapist and just, like, just know that 
it's okay if you don't find the right therapist on the first go. Like that's pretty normal. And yeah talking to people. I mean, and in my experience, it's a miracle. If you find a therapist on the first, a uh, truly let's go. Yeah. Let me know how you did it. Um, I think it's, you know, it's like medication, right? It's that four to six weeks, or if you had surgery, you know, give every, give everything four to six weeks. If four to six weeks mm. can sound like a long time, but that's really, we're just asking for four sessions. That's all we're asking for. Give it four sessions and you'll know. It's like if you met someone and saw them four times, you would know after four times of an hour conversation each time, if you liked each other or not, you and I figured it out within the first 10 minutes of a podcast. We were like, oh, we really like each other. It was like, <laughs> we figured it out pretty fast. A- after four hours, yeah, I should hope I know if I like you or not. Yeah. Okay, so at 13, you started going to therapy. You didn't dig it. Were you on medication at that point? No, that wouldn't come until my 20s. Um, actually no, until 20 on the dot. Yeah. Okay. So then what was your middle school, high school experience? Like, I mean, I had a lot of friends. My parents were really strict. I couldn't go to parties and stuff like that, but I lied all all the time. And when did you go anyway? Sure. Yeah. I got caught every time. I mean, I was grounded. I couldn't go three days without getting grounded because I lied so much and I had such a bad attitude to my parents, but I was like a straight A student in school. Right. And my teachers were like, we love Alana. My parents were like, excuse me. So it's a lot of miscommunication (laughs) in terms of that. But, um, Yeah. yeah, it was like the outside was great. School was great. Friends were great. But, um, inside, this is the time when, you know, something's wrong with me really grew. Um, cause when you get older and now dating's in the mix, that's just gonna mm-hmm. ruin everything. I was going to say, how did you know that something was off at that age? You know what? I thought about my family dying too much. I knew oh. I, I like would ask friends if they ever thought about it and nobody had the, uh, amount that I did. And it would be like, not in dreams. It would be like, a vision would come where it's like I would see my whole family dying and then like I would see what it would be like at the funeral and what would happen after and and all this kind of stuff and how sad that would be and I would cry because of how much I would miss them and how bad I felt that I even had that thought so that and this is four to five times a week that's how I knew something was wrong because that's insane literally yeah yeah and that what eventually that was OCD that was anxiety so that would come out to uh diagnosis a lot of things added up basically the final diagnosis is um bipolar but what had happened Hmm. first is i was um, diagnosed as moderate with moderate depression because i got so depressed about these mood swings and crazy thoughts and this and that that it came across as depression i don't want to go anywhere i don't want to talk to anyone but i was depressed about the mania as well that was happening that I wasn't addressing because I just thought that was me being like having energy and outgoing, but really it was like mania. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So then God, that's really hard to be going through. Okay. So you're going through puberty, adolescence, (laughs) you're starting to date, you start to pick up your schoolwork or like, you know, get good grades. Mm -hmm. And then you're also having these thoughts and it hasn't been diagnosed yet. So you're not on medication yet. And you're going to therapy and you're like, fuck this, this is not helping. Like that's Mm -hmm. a very hard thing to go through. Um, What did you do to like, 
deal with that and overcome that and in in high school I mean all I thought about was getting out of that town because it's no offense it's no offense to anyone that's there everyone's perfectly fine nice what have you but I just the way I described it growing up was I just can't get on the same page as anyone else and I felt very misunderstood in that town and here's the thing I was right because I would later move to Toronto and then Chicago and then LA where I met comedians and then everything started to make more sense. Then I started hearing a lot more familiar stories from people where I was like, ah, me too. So it really changed the game. I'm sure you had the same thing. Yeah. And that's the hard thing about like small towns or not even small towns, but maybe like less progressive or less or like creative yeah maybe less like artistic like it's not funded in the city so maybe there's not plays and music and stuff like that where everyone can indulge in that um a lot of towns and a lot of schools cut the arts program and stuff so it's just nowhere it's just nowhere yep and then you're like why am I alone why am I the only person who feels like this Mm -hmm. when it's not it's not that it's just that you're in a you're in a geographical area that isn't in line with your goals or your dreams or you know just where you want to be headed mm-hmm. so I think it's important to remember for people who maybe feel like they're the only one in their city who feels the way they do or and the only person in their town that feels that way it's like move like I mean and obviously that's a very privileged thing to say right I'm like just spend a bunch of money and move but like <laughs> From doing this podcast, I've heard multiple times people say, travel and move, like go see different things, see how other people move through life, see different perspectives on what living is. And that sort of gives you a sense of um, unity, like you're not alone, that people are there and everybody does things differently, but there are people that are like you and- Well, unity and and community. Yeah. So it's like, it's like-minded people, but now they're there and surrounding you and ha- ready to be a support system. So because that's what happens, you find someone that you're like-minded and then you open up your heart to them and you're like, call me anytime if you ever need to talk. And that yeah. then that happens. And then next thing you know, you've got a real friendship on your hands here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So you graduate high school and then, then what happens? Oh, left right away. Like, I mean, couldn't have gotten out faster. I went to university for a year dropped out, um, moved to Toronto and then convinced. What was the, huh? What was the university experience? Like, why did you drop out? Oh yeah. Well, okay. So I went to university of Toronto, um, at at one of the other campuses that had, um, a drama program, theater program. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, (laughs) I loved the class. It's 24 of us. Everyone was great. But um, what we were learning was not for me. Like, I remember I did a Shakespeare monologue as um, Lady Macbeth, that out damn spot, out part, right? And um, that monologue. And uh, afterwards, my teacher, (laughs) my Shakespeare teacher was like, I just didn't believe it. You know, it was coming across as comical. Uh, I just didn't believe you were her. And I went, well, that's because she's not real. Like, it was like, and I got in big trouble for that. (laughs) Big trouble. So it was like things like that. (laughs) And the only class I liked and did really well in was improv. I did great in that class. 
And that's when I realized at the end of the year, you have your end of year interview with the teaching class of your physical movement coach and the Shakespeare yep. teacher, all that. And um, they were like, we think this, we think this, you're great at this, you need to work on this. And I went, well, we'll see, because I'm not coming back. And then that was it. I was like, thanks, it's been a slice. And I didn't even tell my parents I had dropped out. I just straight up left and then went to my brothers and just told them I had moved in. Um, that's was what that, that hard, was. dropping out? Like, did that feel <laughs> Oh my God. Hurtful? I knew from day one. No, I knew. Because oh, really? okay. it ju- I was not going to succeed. Um, I... I wasn't good enough. I, I, I just wanted to be funny. I just wanted to be hilarious. Later in life, I've appreciated the skill of acting and made me yeah. wish I stayed in that program so I could have learned more. But at that time, I was like, no, if it's not jokes, I don't want any part of it. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah but that takes a lot to know that going into co- Like when, when I left high school, I had no fucking idea who I was, what I wanted, where I fit in what my path was going to be. It mm-hmm. took a really long time for me to figure that out. Um, but it, for you to know, like right away, oh, this is not what I want to do. I want to do comedy. Like that's big. Yeah, but it's hard to know how to do it. That was the thing. That's I true. Did, I didn't, I thought you had to be like an actor or Broadway or plays. I didn't know you could just like decide I'm going to do film and television one day and find a different way to do it via live shows that are strictly comedy. Like, of course I knew comedy shows existed, but I thought like, oh, it had to be Second City or it had to be, like I thought it was so narrow in the way that I thought you do it. And then I realized I was like, oh no, you can, you could blow up and become the biggest star on the planet from playing shows in the back of a bar. You know what I mean? It's like like open mic shows, you just don't know. So you throw a lot out there and you kind of see what what lands. But uh, can I ask you where... um, one, where did you grow up? And then two, what did you do after you were done high school? Like, cause you said you didn't know what you wanted to do. So where did, yeah. you, where did you land? What happened? So, so I was born in Miami, Florida. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. I went to high school in Jacksonville, Florida, graduated high school and went to university of Florida, which is like one of the state schools there. Um, I was on scholar. I had two different scholarships. So I like, was like, great. I won't, I didn't, I should have in retrospect looked at other schools, you know, but because they gave me a scholarship, Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to go, you know, I don't want to have a bunch of debt. I got to go where the people are going to give me money to go. Um, so I went there and I hated it. Oh no. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a very sports heavy school. It's a very Greek school, which is, you know, it's great for some people. I tried it. It was not at all for me. So I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I just got a business. I got a business degree thinking, well, I was pushed to get a business degree by of my father Yeah, who, who is no longer a part of my life, which I should have known then. But, um, and so I got it in three years because I was like, I can't, I can't do four years of this. I hate it here. Um, so I got my business degree and was like, I have no fucking idea what to do with this. I don't know. I don't know where I fit in. Yeah. I, I have no fucking idea. Um, and so I moved to Colorado for some reason. I, I was like, well, I graduated early. I'll take a gap year now, essentially. And so I moved to Colorado and I got a job at this crafting company. Um, like crafts, like art, like, uh, yeah. So they crafts? did like 
so they do like they got absorbed by NBC Universal a couple of years ago, which is kind of cool. But they made online videos to learn how to like knit, quilt, crochet. Like it was the the master class before master class, okay. but in in the crafting community, which is a bigger community than you might think. No, I, I would think it was um, an astronomical community because of people are always looking for stuff to do with kids. And I would imagine, like we did crafts nonstop growing up. I mean, it was like yeah. nonstop crafts in my house. So I'm like, I, yeah. it's a huge market, huge. Yeah. So yeah. And so I just was like, I don't know, I guess I'll work here. I don't really know. And I started doing theater school there at the Denver Center of Performing Arts because I was I had done theater growing up and I just dropped it because I was told it's not a career I believed it um yeah but I you know, so I started doing that and then I was booking some stuff like all that Colorado really has is like student films and like car commercials it's like Dodge Durango like <laughs> like driving through the fucking like red rocks of Colorado. Do you know those, you know, those commercials are like a big truck in the mountains. I've been to red rocks. So yeah, I know exactly because I recognize it. I was like, I've been here. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, and my teachers were like, you know, you're kind of good. You should, do you want to do this for a career? And I was like, yeah, I do. So then I moved to Los Angeles and this is such a long tangent. So I moved to Los Angeles and then I was like, oh, I still don't feel like I'm good enough. So then I went and did conserva- a conservatory theater program in New York City at Atlantic Acting School. And once I did that, then I was like really confident in my skills because they teach you, they have like a specific technique called practical aesthetics, but it's the school that was started by David Mamet. Um, so, you know, once I had like a real technique under me, I felt very confident and I moved back to LA and then sort of started my career. So that was a long winded answer. Yeah. But I was, uh, I took classes everywhere I went. I always took classes one to make friends and two, Ooh. two to feel confident because, um, I'm big on training. My school wasn't for me cause it wasn't the training I wanted. It turns out it would be the training I needed, but it wasn't the training I wanted, but I, IO in Chicago, Annoyance, Second City, uh, UCB, all, like always in a class, some sort of a comedy or improv related or writing class. Um, You're so right about that. It's like you find friends there. It's like, because oh my as, God. An adult, as an adult, you're like, who, how do you make friends when you move? It's like the people you work with, but then we're like, well, we don't work in an office. Yeah. Who the fuck are we going to be friends with? And what, and, and, and what do you do before you get a job, before you can get a job? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like I, I knew some people when I uh, moved here from Toronto and from having lived in Chicago uh, for a, a bit, like around two and a half years. Um, but you know, everybody was already here. So a lot of people had their life in place and had other friends and this and that. And I was like, okay, Alana, you got to get a life here. You need something. And, uh, I took classes and it was like, um, I made a lot of friends, some friends that I still have from, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, like, and, um, it was in Chicago, my best friend, I had met her after living there for one week in my, very first improv class and it was like we played a warm-up game and we were both being really funny and then at the break we were like hi 
hi, <laughs> let's be friends. And that was it. And that was it. And we're still friends to this day. And I still think she's, Emily, she's one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. So it's like, it, you know, great. That's because if they're yeah. there, it, they already, it already means they like the same thing as you. You already have something in common. So isn't that nice? Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell me what it was like in Chicago. So you moved to Chicago and you started taking classes or you started performing or both? Well, started with classes because nobody knows me. You right. know, I'm like 19 or whatever. And uh, so I did the classes um, and then got on a team and then started some of my, I did a duo with the, that um, friend I was telling you about that I just mentioned. We did a, like a sketch duo and improv sometimes. And um, I, I did a lot at Annoyance and at IO. Um, was where I mainly performed and it was really fun you know I was really young I worked as a nanny and which is like a great job when you're in um, comedy or whatever because all your shows are at night and you babysit in the day it was awesome and um, yeah I had a really good time I definitely partied really hard um, because we were so young and fun and then I had to move back home um, uh, after a couple years because I wanted to get a green card and so I wanted mm-hmm. to apply from Canada, um, and then I did get it, and then I came to L.A. Because I knew I wanted to live in L.A., but I was like, like, because you can do student visa, but you can't work, uh, right? So it was like, the nanny stuff was like just an occasional thing, but it was like I had right. money saved up from what I moved with, right? Um, right? But you can't work like a comedy job. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 Did, did your time in Chicago give you confidence? Was that like a stark difference from when you were in university to when you were taking classes in Chicago? And like, did that give you a boost of confidence or were you still trying to like find your, okay. Okay. Huge boost because when I moved back to Toronto, I had a real edge on me, right? I had something not everybody else had because I trained somewhere else. So I came back with a different style. So it's like the Toronto met Chicago style type thing that I was doing. And then when I moved to LA, I had to change my comedy style again because it's just different crowd out here. So, um, yeah, it's like, I've, I definitely had confidence. The more places I've lived and places I've trained and stuff like that, the more confident I get because I'm like, well, now I know I can perform and succeed in at least three different cities, um, which is where there's like a lot of industry things happening. New York, so like you, who knows? So like your confidence came from mastering your craft. Then. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. That's exactly okay. it. Yeah. And it's like, of course, it's like, of course. Yeah. You know, like the, the more you do something, the more you're used to all the feelings that are around it. Right. Like when you have a good show, when you have a bad show, when someone doesn't show up, like, it's like, you've are now you've done all the, you've encountered all of the potential problems or whatever. So you're going to have confidence from just like experience in general. And then also just like learning and growing as an artist and a person. Yeah. And it's like, you have to know you're good, uh, in this industry, because if you don't believe it, no one else is going to believe it. They can tell, they can see through you a mile away. And no matter how low my self-esteem has ever been, um, when I audition for something and you know, when you really audition for something, when you're like, I can kill this. And if you book it and if whatever, it's like, I will never let someone down on set. It's just not possible. And I can guarantee that I can guarantee whatever you need from me 
if I'm cast in the role like that I auditioned for and not just out of the blue where you're like, great, Alana, you're going to play 10 grandmas. I'd be like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to pull this off, but sure, I'll play all the grandmas in this movie. Um, I would watch that. That sounds like a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's called Too Many Grandmas. It's just 10, 10 grandmas having a girl's weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> Too many. Uh, but yeah, I... Um, I feel very confident. I'm like, I can deliver. Um, and it's because right. of all that training, really. That's why I feel so good. I, I take notes. I love notes. And you get feedback from teachers and then you do it, you apply it and they're like, great, you did it. And you're like, okay, great. And that's how you learn to work with a director. So yeah, of course you're going to feel really good. I feel the same way. And I'm like always trying to grow. I'm always learning, always asking questions, always taking notes because it just feels good to grow and learn. Yeah. And I think that- yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really good... It's really humbling too, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people think they're above classes. Like, when you move somewhere new and you're like, well, I already trained here and I already did this. And I'm like, yeah, but it's fun to learn. I When I did improv classes here, oh my God, I'd already been improvising in this and that for like a decade. Like, you think I didn't know what they were teaching? But here's the truth. There were some things I didn't know. So yeah, there was some things I didn't know. I got to watch other people play, new people play, and every new person you play with is going to bring something different out of you. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to take those classes. And then again, friends. Yep, so, friends. Right? That's so it's so big. And and also like networking and like Oh yeah. You know, it's it's not always just actors in these classes. It's like directors, it's writers, it's like yeah. networking and you know, it's a, it's a big aspect to it. Okay. So when did you, yeah. when, if you're comfortable discussing this, when did you start on medication? Okay. Yeah. So, um, the first time I had gone on meds, I was 20 and, uh, this when I was in Chicago and they were meds, okay. they were antidepressants, uh, but they, it was Zoloft and it didn't really, it didn't work for me, maybe for others, I hope, but it didn't work for me. It made me like a zombie. Um, so I went off those and then I went on Paxil and that was like anti-anxiety, antidepressant, but that like wasn't really addressing everything. It only felt like I was halfway myself again. And then I went on Lamictal or Lamotrigine uh, and a bill. And so that was working for a while. Then I kind of was like, you know, I'm still feeling like a bit bummed out, even though I'm feeling more stable. So then I mm. went on a Bilify and then that really helped. Um, and the two are often used together. So now I, d I feel like my mood swings are more under control and I feel less weight on my shoulders. That's what the Abilify did. It kind of took some weight off my shoulders to help me see a little clearer that um, things can be okay sometimes and that that's okay. Yeah, but that's like a huge transition to like not being on medication, to trying to find the right one, to then finding the right one. That's like oh, a yeah. big journey. It was 10 years. Wow. Yeah, didn't get on, let me tell you, I was uh, 30, 10 years. Did your, was your confidence affected by your medication? Yes. Like, yes. Really? Can oh, you yeah. talk about it? Yes. So the antidepressants, when I was just diagnosed as depressed when that's what the doctors thought, um, would, weren't really working well. So then 
I, because it was the wrong diagnosis. So I thought something was wrong with me. It's back to when I was a kid. And I was like, you thought something was wrong. Now you finally got on this medication and it's still not better. I'm screwed. Like that's really what I thought. So I reverted back to what it was when I was like growing up and I was like, well, I'm hopeless. We got the help. I went to a psychiatrist. All, I'm in the therapy, this and that. And it's still not working. So, you know, that was like really hard. And that's why we had to keep trying. It's why it was a real journey. We had to keep trying stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, and people like, again, and we talked about this on your podcast, but like, medication similar to finding the right therapist you have to find the right medication that works for you and it's not always going to be on the first go you're going to have to maybe try a couple different ones before you find the one that's right for you but like it is worth it it is completely worth it in the end did you like for me when I found the right antidepressant a new part of my brain unlocked like I before wasn't really interested in um fat like clothes or fashion or like self-expression in that form and once I got on medication I started being interested in that I started painting I was not an artist like you know a fine artist like before but then I started painting with watercolor and now I'm like I like do what I like I'm a painter I paint with watercolor Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen until I was on my antidepressant because my brain was occupied with depression. There was not the extra space. And when I started on it, it unlocked this new creative area for me, whether, whether it was, you know, vintage clothing or, uh, home decor or painting that I never was interested in before because I didn't have the bandwidth. Did you you feel like that at all? Or I know depression and bipolar are different, but. Oh no, 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 no. definitely. Definitely felt that. You know what the part of your brain Um, The blockage that before it unlocks to the creative, the blockage in my brain, if I had to put a label on it, it was helplessness, just helplessness. It was what? Helplessness. I was, I just, nothing would help. And that's what was blocking me. Hopeless, helpless, either one that you want to say. Um, And once the, the meds unlocked that for me, when I went, oh no, there's hope. Might not be as fast as I want, not might, might not be what I think it should look like, but there is hope. Um, and I can get help and that's the difference. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so I have a question for you actually medication yeah. related, but not d- with depression. Were you ever on birth control or are you, or are you still, cause I have a birth control story that also affected me mentally. Ooh, I'd love to hear it. I have previously been on birth control. I am no longer on birth control. Okay, perfect. This, then this applies to you, and I, I'm curious to right. hear your take on this. So what had, right. I had been on birth control since I was like 17, right? Lot yeah, a lot of uh, ladies going on very young to control cramps and acne and this and that. So very common, uh, whether you're sexually active or not, uh, often you can be put on the pill to control stuff like that. Um, so anyway, so I had been on since I was like 17. And then I wanted to get off it because I got a new doctor that was like, you know, when, and I was like explaining things to her regular doctor, not the psychiatrist, right? Just my regular doctor. And how old um, are you at this point? I'm in my, I'm 27. I'm like older. Right. And I'm, I've gone on, I've been on two different meds at this point. And I was like, you know, I just don't feel like myself. And she had asked if I was on birth control and I was like, yeah. And she's like, how long? And I was like about a decade. And she was like, okay we're going to take you off birth control. Um, and let's see what happens. Uh, she took me off birth control. Everything in my life changed. 
I didn't realize how much of an effect it was having on me and not like PMS. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like being on the same meds from when I was 17 to 27, which are very formative years. It's like the, the type of men I were attracted to change. Like before I would kind of like scrawny little improv boys type thing. You know what I mean? Where you're like, you look like a high school skater <laughs> type, type of guy. And then afterwards, it was like, I wanted big muscle lumberjack because when you're on birth control, your body tricks you into thinking you're pregnant. So you want someone more effeminate that's going to, which would be someone closer to you. Yes, I'm telling you, this is all explained to my doctor. I've read many articles on it. And this isn't the same for everybody, but this is just kind of a, a bit of a generalization. But then when you get off, you want this lumberjack because you're like, you're going to get me pregnant and your body wants to get pregnant. Your body's like, he is the one this one will be the guy. Yes. And everything changed for me. Now, of course we would have to address the bipolar. We wouldn't know that for another three years, but I mean like personality changed very differently. And it's been that way ever since. Never went, never went back in terms of that attraction to, to, for dating. Isn't that weird? That is wild. I had no idea. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking you like, did you notice a difference when you went off again, not the same for everybody and the different kinds of birth controls different dosage. So they affect everyone differently, but did you have anything change when you went off? So I was sort of like you, like I started on birth control when I was, God, I, oh, I want to say 16 or something like yeah. that. And I was on it for a decade. Mm-hmm. And once I hit the decade mark, I was like, this range that I've been on this for 10 years, yeah. like nothing, nothing happened that caused me to be like, Oh, I should get out. Like, I wasn't like trying to get pregnant. I wasn't trying to, like, you know, uh, uh, avoid, I guess it did feel a little bit like my body felt different, okay. you know, like okay. that was sort of the first thing I was like, this, my body just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I don't know why it, why it took until that 10 year mark or what it took, like, maybe I just mentally wasn't in the space to like change my routine mm-hmm. until that point. And like, once I got a little bit more stable, I was like, kind of put more thought into what medications I was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got off it, but I remember going off of it was really hard. Nasty. And I remember, it's nasty. I remember being in an acting class. I was testing out a new studio and they made me do like an, inten- they make everybody do like an intensive, like four week thing before you could go on to like ongoing classes. And this is here in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was started to go off birth control and I was I was bad at acting. I was so irritable. I was so sad. I was like, I, I was like, I am not an actor. I was like, I can't do this. I don't see a path for this. I was just hopeless. Mm, Yeah. This was because I was just off birth control. This is, and I was not on an antidepressant. I've been on and off antidepressants my whole life because I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I'm cured. I don't need to be on it anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know rookie, that. You know classic that, rookie mistake. Hey, been there, done that. <laughs> and I'll be like, anymore, and I'll go off of it. Yeah. So I wasn't on an antidepressant. I was coming off birth control. My teacher, God, I, I, the last day of our intensive, I went in there. I was like, you do like a on-camera one-on-one, and then you go out with the rest of the class, and then you all watch it together. Um. And so before I did my, my piece, I was like, Hey, 
I feel really bad. I'm like crying. I'm like, I, I just don't think I can do this anymore. Like I don't see a path for it. And she's like, okay, honey, we'll talk about it at the end of the class. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. And then we watched my tape and she like calls me out in front of the whole class and is like, Rebecca doesn't think she should be an actor. So what I would say is that Rebecca should not be an actor. <gasps> Rebecca, you need to go. She told me, literally, she told me, you need to go take a trip. She, she said, you know, I, what did she say? Go take a long hiking trip for six months. She like said a very specific thing <laughs> about like, I need to quit acting and go on a hiking trip for six months. Oh yeah, okay. And, like eat pray love myself back in sanity or <laughs> oh yeah dude in front of everybody and I'm sitting there with my notebook like tears are streaming down my face right and I'm like yes I do need to go on an eat pray love journey like tears because I did not expect her to call me out and then yeah. at the end of class the sweet woman who bless her heart she was like this 75 year old woman who was like you know not great Sure. And she came up to me and she was like, honey, you remind me of me when I was young. You'll be fine. And I'm like, oh my God, this lady's not even good at acting. And she's coming up and telling me that I'm like her. And then, so I just spiraled. I don't know where this story was going, but anyways, I remember that being going off birth control was like, it's just fucking hard. But man. then, but then think about it. Right. Like I, mine was also really hard and it was like, that what a hold that medication had on our bodies for a decade in these wildly formative years as a woman wildly formative this time um and i've had conversations with people where there's they've said the same things about meds to address mental illness but i tried to explain to them i was like there's a bit of a difference to it because at least for me i can't speak for everybody but for me it's leveling out a chemical imbalance so i'm like what well, you were the way you were born i'm just trying to get to you i'm just trying to get right. to the base i'm not trying to excel <laughs> i'm not trying to go above i'm just trying to get a like just my nose out of the water. I don't even need my body out of the water. I'll tread water for the rest of my life. That's fine. I know it's going to be a journey for me, but I was like, I just need to kind of get to what normal is. That's what those meds do for me. But birth control was an additional medication. Right. So it was one we just implemented for a very different reason of what was, of, for what was supposed to happen in my body. And nobody told me the effect it has on you. Cause you're not, totally, gonna, me either. you're not going to tell a teenage girl cause you're terrified. She's going to have sex and get pregnant. So you're never going to tell her the truth of what the, the effects of this birth control can be. And, uh, and then lo and behold, you find out the hard way after, uh, later in life when you try to go off, uh, yourself. I have a lot of friends that uh, got off birth control, very similar stories to me yeah. of ch yeah. change of attraction and skin and hair. I mean, I mean so many things. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, we're just trying to get to the baseline yep. of normal people. And I was talking to Casey about this last night. I was like, when you're happy, you're like here. Right. And which for people who are listening is high. It's about eye level. Okay, it's eye level. Thank <laughs> She's you. holding it and eye level. <laughs> And when I'm happy, my, I'm here like at mouth level. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's like, you're happy. You're already this, you already have, you know, inches on me. Yeah. Like of happiness, inches of happiness. 
And I'm just trying to like level out and I'm on an antidepressant and I'm still, his happy is still above my happy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you're just happy to be at mouth level because uh, that's what I'm saying. Like I just need my, just my mouth slightly out of the water. That's all I'm asking for. Put a straw in there or something so I can breathe. But it's like, that. that's the thing is that like once I met, went on the right meds, I was like, and it, they had kicked in, you know, enough time. I was like, is this how you guys feel every day? <laughs> like I, I was in shock. <laughs> I was like, has life always been this easy for you? <laughs> but it's like, it's not. Everybody has hardship. But that was like how it felt to me was I was like, I can feel like this every day. And this doesn't have to count as a good day. This can just be a day. My mind was blown. Truly my mind was blown. But yeah, that mouth to eye difference. Yeah, that might always be there for us. It might. I think so. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, because we both have great hair. So it comes out in our hair and that's where the happiness comes out for you and I, we both it's, have this true. long so hair, beautiful curls, beautiful <laughs> curls. Um, so what do you do? Like, do you do anything on a daily basis to help with your mental health and your confidence? Do you have a routine? Do you, yes, what big, do you do? Big routine, big routine person. Um, I wake up. Oh, so you like having a routine? Love it. Live for it. Had it my whole life. I wake up at the same oh, time. Oh, okay. Yep. I wake up between six and six thirty every day. I, yeah, automatic, no alarm. Can't control it. It's been that way my whole how life. How many, how many hours of sleep do you get? Well, I go to bed a little earlier, right? I try to get to bed between 10 and 11. So I'm still getting seven to eight. Like I'm still getting the regular amount. It's just, I can't stay up like I once did because my body, even if I stayed up till 5 a.m., I will be awake around 6.30, 7 o'clock. Wow. Yeah, because okay. my body just, so it's like, because I know that's going to happen, I try to go to bed earlier. But um, I wake up, walk the dog, come home, check email, journal, no matter what journal gratitude list in that journal and a goal for the day meditate workout all of this is before breakfast and coffee I'm usually done all this by 9 a.m then I have a to-do list I address the to-do list I make sure there's something on there every day I do an Arabic class from 10 a.m to 10 10 a.m with my grandmother my Tay-Tay in which I learn all kinds of hit sayings like how nice of you to bring Tay-Tay to yogurts that was what I learned one day. And Wait, it's Arabic? Arabic? Sorry. Yeah, Arabic. She's from Syria. Okay. That, so that's, it's her, my mom's mom, right? From Syria. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, and uh, we learn one phrase a day. And uh, a lot of them are yogurt-based. And then I try to have a couple other things in the day. But um, yeah, the, so the biggest ones would be gratitude list, journaling, which you would put your gratitude list in your journal, meditation and working out. And those are every day, no matter what. Yeah. And working out, even on a rest day, I'll do some stretching. I count that as working out. Or I walk with my dog. That is all moving your body. Just moving. Working out doesn't have to be weights. It can be a walk. That is working out your body. So yeah, let's say what you said, movement. Let's say that instead, actually. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. And moving your body in a pleasant way, a way that feels good for you, it like you said, it doesn't have to be working out. And one thing, if, if someone's, if anybody's listening, if you're interested in doing something like this, my therapist taught me what's called authentic movement. Have you heard of this before? I have not. No. So it's, it's really easy. It's basically, you just sit or lie wherever you are and you move your body in whatever way you want. And you just keep going. And one thing informs the next thing. And then that informs the next thing. And you could end up in a chair or on the ground or whatever. You're just moving your body in a way that feels good. And 
I know that sounds simple, but it's so great. It's like, when in your life do you move your body the way you want to move it for no reason at all? It's like, you're either walking to go somewhere, you're sitting to prop yourself up to work. You know, it's rare that we're just like, or you're doing that. Like it's rare we do stuff like that where we're flicking our hands or, so just like allowing yourself to follow the impulses that your body wants. Um, and it's called authentic movement and it's really great. And I do it sometimes in my therapy session. So if anybody's interested in just like, where do I start with movement? Maybe it's just authentic movement, moving your body in a way that feels good in that moment. Yeah. I've never heard of that before, but I love that. I, I often, um, dance around the house when Norm goes for a jog or whatever, because, um, it's free. I, I think maybe I've been doing it, but I call it free movement. That's what my <laughs> dancing is, free movement. But I like it to music. I like to have that music because uh, I really like a beat. I grew up playing piano since I was six, so I really connect with music in that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I love it. I It could almost be seen as pointless movement, but really it has more intention than anything. <laughs> it really does. And it's cool that you know you're like, oh, I like to dance. I like to move to music. I mean, that's so important to know like what you enjoy and then fucking do that. Yeah. Instant good mood. Instant good mood. That's why when I get, yeah, when I get ready, uh, if I, you know, the three times this past year I've had to put makeup on uh, for the big getting ready, but uh, always have music on, always kind of dancing in the bathroom mirror while I'm getting ready and stuff like that, because um, it's a guaranteed good mood for me. I hope that works for everybody else too, because for me, guaranteed, no matter what. Do you have any uh like a piece of advice and advice is a really big word so don't let that scare you but like anything that you would tell someone who's looking to build their confidence yeah whether it's something someone has told you or something that you've sort of developed on your own just like a little tidbit a little little tip yeah or a little trick um yeah two things one go easy on yourself for god's sake truly go easy on yourself leave you alone really and then the second one lie if you have to it's nobody's business if you don't if you feel bad but you don't want to feel bad don't spread it if someone's like how you doing you go good if you want to talk about it say not good and talk about it but you don't have to tell everyone everything if you want to feel a certain way you're allowed to say that in a bit of a fake it till you make it um but obviously if you need to talk talk but you don't always have to say the worst when it's the worst, if that's going to make you feel worse. That's what my therapist taught me. He was like, you know, you don't always have to say something so bad. Sometimes by you not saying it, then you're not hearing it. So it's not sinking in as much. And then you have a better chance of moving away from it. So, yeah. That's really good. I, I, it's the first time that I've anybody on the podcast has said something like that, where it's like you can keep your feelings to yourself if that is helpful. Yeah, like if I talked to 10 people in one day and I told all 10 of them I'm feeling bad, that means I've said out loud 10 times I'm bad and and I don't feel good. Maybe I just needed to say it once. And then the rest of it be like, what would it be like to not identify that and to just move forward with a conversation? I wonder if it can end in a different way. I don't know, maybe not for everyone, but for me. Yeah. I really like that. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. I really like that idea. Okay. So I'm going to recap, um, Alana's tips for self-confidence. Please correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. for any of these as always. Okay. Uh, 
make social media what you want it to be. Feeling good about yourself in that moment, knowing that it could shift and change. Stage confidence versus offstage confidence, just remembering that there's a difference to that. Toss on that outfit. Do your hair. Externally feel good. I love that one. It's fucking true. It, Matt, I'm sorry. I, you're telling me if you got this killer jumpsuit and you put it on, you're not going to feel great. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's vain. I really don't care. It works. It works. It fucking works. It works. It really does. Uh, like, feel yourself, you know? Yeah. Okay. Have a good community. Therapy. Give it four to six weeks with your therapist before deciding. Mm-hmm. Um, find a like-minded group of people. Take classes. Grow. Train so you're mastering your craft. Have that that experience and that knowledge. Know you're good. Learn and grow. Medication if you need it. Mm-hmm. There's hope. Find a routine that works for you. Get enough sleep. Journal. Gratitude list. Goal for the day. All these are good, like, little daily things that you can incorporate into your Mm -hmm. life. Meditate, working out slash moving your body in a way that feels good. God, that's so important. Yeah. Add music to your life. Go easy on yourself. Fake it till you fake it till you make it if that's helpful. And you can keep feelings to yourself if that's beneficial to you. Honestly, you're a sensational host. When you were jotting down little notes, I thought how rude of her to write an entire essay in the middle of this podcast. She asked me to be on uh i thought (laughs) yeah i thought you've got some nerve but my god what a perfect wrap-up you're very good at this you should feel confident you're very good at this my podcast who where do we go off the rails but uh you uh yeah you've got a plan and it works it's fantastic love our our podcast in combination yes because like they they are both about mental health right they're both about mental health confidence self-esteem everything that's surrounding that topic but like they go about it in different ways, which I think is so cool because that leaves space for everybody who's different and learns differently and who consumes differently. And I think that's fucking cool. Well, yeah. And we have some similar guests, but some different guests too. And it's very interesting. Like no one's going to talk to me the same way they're going to talk to you. Uh, You know what I mean? Because it, we're two very different people, but we're just passionate about the same thing. But the, the whole point is that they might not talk to us the same way, but the bottom line is they're talking to us because this affects everybody. Self-esteem yep. affects absolutely everybody. Even if you don't yep. take time to think about it, deep down, you actually have. And it informs yep. all of your choices and actions in life. You just don't know it. But yeah, yep. I love both of our podcasts. I was thrilled when we made the arrangement to do each other's podcast and Kate, Casey set us up on a podcast date, <laughs> which was nice. But um, yeah, big fan of this podcast because... Um, you know, it's just, it, I like your wrap up of the tips. I wrap up yeah. how the person feels. So the, the one to 10 we did at the beginning, yep. as you know, I do it in the end as well, but I like that you wrap up. I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, lessons learned or something yeah. like that as a fine, your yeah. Jerry Springer final thought moment. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's one more thing I want to say now that we're talking about like movement and journaling that I like that just popped into my head. I'm not a journaler. When I journal, I get worse. I'm already sort of in my feelings all the time as it is. I know how I, I know how I feel about things. If I journal, and this is something I talk about in therapy. If I journal, I go deeper down a rabbit hole of, 
of sadness. Okay. It just doesn't work for me right now in my life. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that it won't work for me when we're out of the pandemic. Like maybe it's a pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So instead my therapist was like, well, we still need to, you know, we need you to still be introspective and journaling is like one way that people do that. Another way she was like, you could do like an interpretive dance, like dance out what you would be writing in a journal, or you can do a storytelling. Like, cause I do storytelling shows. She's like, you can tell a story to an empty room and explain how you feel that way. It doesn't always have to be pen to paper if that's not working for you. So I just kind of wanted to add, because I know you said journaling something you do every day and your gratitude list, like that is so great. But if it feels overwhelming to you, or if it's just not the right mode of being introspective, dance it out like you yep. do. Yep. Tell a story. There's different ways to deal with those feelings. And if, if, if something's not helping, try something else. I mean, jur- you know? journaling is just keeping track of how you're feeling. So of yep. course you can do that in a dance. Is my dance aggressive today? Is my dance lighter today? Like you can do it in a, like, really you can. So uh, yeah, it's just tracking yeah. how you're feeling. Thousand ways yep. to do that. Thousand ways. Yep. Yeah. Meditating, meditating. If you're not going to do like, you know, cause some versions of meditating, you want to clear your mind. But if, you know, recently my meditations are completely different than they were a year ago. I used to be, I used to do Vedic meditation, which is clearing your mind. But now it's like, I sit in like, I'll send vibes to different people. Like I'll think about different people and I'll go through like the feeling I want to send to them, like through the universe. And like, it's just different. So just be open to changing too. Like be flexible because what is working for you one month might not work for you the next month. And yeah. that's okay. And like, guys, half the time my eyes are open while I'm meditating. I'm looking at the dog. I'm like, what do I have to do today? But it's like, guess what? I spent five minutes. I said I would sit there and I did. That's meditating. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. Meditating. You say you're going to do it. You do it. You've meditated. That's it. Yep. Yeah. I yep. agree. I agree Absolutely. with you. There's no one way. Really. There's not. Yep. 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 I use an app. Simple habit. I use an app. It, it helps me. I don't have to think somebody tells me what to think or try to think. And that works great for me. Yep. It's all about like just trying different things and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Oh my God. Uh, we are BFFs now. Yes. Uh, we first met doing Alana's podcast. Yeah. Which we hadn't even like met, met really briefly, but not like to have a full conversation meet, you know, and it was, yeah. um, it was so much fun. We just, yeah, t- check it out. It's a, it's self-esteem party. And then just type in Rebecca's name. And, uh, it's kind of recent in the last couple of weeks. It's, it's a more recent yeah. episode. So you guys yeah. will be able to find it on uh, sonar network, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's awesome. I, it, we had such a good time and now here as expected, we've had a good time. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I had, um, some, a listener tell me that they listened one of my listeners said, I posted that I did your podcast. So then they went and listened to your podcast, the episode I was in. And now they listen to all the episodes. Oh my they were God. Like, so Ugh. it's like, if you like, if you like this podcast, you're going to like self-esteem party too. So, you know, there's crossover, go, go listen to it. But I thought I was really, I thought that was really sweet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell her. It's like when Grey's Anatomy uh, crosses over with, you know, Lone Star 911 or what have you, you know, these shows. <laughs> and they're always doing massive crossover episodes. <laughs> oh yeah. My only dream is to be in a crossover episode. And then me looking around going, what's with this place? You know, really rip on them, the other show. But, you know, we'll see. 
I'll keep you guys. I'll keep you guys posted on my podcast if I land the role. Well, thank you again for your time. This was such a treat. I love you. I love your podcast. Uh, and we will chat soon. Chat soon, indeed. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And you can also head over to Patreon.com/slash How the Fuck for bonus episodes, video content, and more. Thanks again. 